0: Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Joshua chapter 10. The Old Testament is full of types and shadows. Amen? But God's principles never change. God never changes. And His principles never change. Satan never changes. Sin never changes. Man never changes. Generation to generation, man is the same. Sin is the same. God is the same. His Word is the same. Amen? But if we go back and figure out some of these types and shadows, I think uh, we can learn some principles that we need to know and understand. And so if we'll begin reading here with verse 1 of chapter 10, we'll get some understanding into some spiritual things that we need to know, and we'll call this Binding, Ruling, Religious Spirits. I believe you're ready for it. I said, I believe you're ready for it. I believe you're mature enough for it. You agree to that? Binding, ruling, religious spirits. Joshua ten. Now it came to pass when Adonized, king of Jerusalem, had heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it, as he had done to to Jericho and her king. So he had done to Ai and her king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel, and were among them. That they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city, as one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all the men thereof were mighty. Wherefore, Adonizedek, king of Jerusalem, sent unto Hoam, king of Hebron, and unto Piram, king of Jarmuth. And unto Jephiah, king of Lashish, and unto Deber, king of Eglon, saying, Come up unto me, and help me, that we may smite Gibeon, and that it, for it hath made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Therefore the five kings, on the line five kings, of the Amorites, king of Jerusalem, king of Hebron, king of Jarmuth, king of Lashish, king of Eglon, Gathered themselves together and went up, they and all their hosts, and encamped before Gibeon, and made war against it. They made war against it. Now, in the types and shadows, you understand and know that Joshua is a type of Christ. Or shall we say Joshua was a type of Christ. He was a type of Christ. The five kings that are mentioned here. "...are also a type. The five kings of the cities that made trouble and warred against Israel are types of religious ruling spirits, or ruling religious spirits. We find mention of them in the book of Ephesians where it says, "...we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high or heavenly places." These are the ruling religious spirits that he's inferring. Now, we like to think that when uh, these five kings died and when some of these other kings died, that these religious spirits died with them, but they didn't. Spirits are eternal beings. They never die. Isn't that right? They never die. They live on forever. Only thing is, they manifest themselves in this generation, maybe in somewhat of a different way, in a sense that it's not actual open physical combat. For we battle not against flesh and blood, but against these rulers of the darkness of, the, of this world, these spiritual wickedness that are there in heavenly places or high places. When you say heavenly, referring to these demon spirits, these ruling religious spirits, we're talking about the atmosphere above us. See, this first layer, this first, what we call the first layer of the heavenlies, it's full of these spiritual wickedness and these ruling religious spirits. Now, our battle is not with flesh and blood, but it's against these spiritual wickedness and against these rulers. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of what? The strongholds that they build up over us. Or shall I say, we allow them to build up over us because of the words of our own mouth. Now, we are not to uh, fight against these ruling and religious spirits with carnal weapons, but we are to fight against these ruling and religious spirits by spiritual weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of these strongholds. They're mighty through God. Well, if that's true, and as you're going to begin to see as we do this study, it was true in Joshua's day, and Joshua was a great leader, of the children of Israel and a great mighty conqueror against all these demonic forces that came his way. A great conqueror over the kings and the cities that were coming against the city of Israel or the nation of Israel because he knew and understood how to walk in the victory. He knew where victory lied and it was in meditation of God's word which you'll see he had great success because he did meditate in God's word day and night. We'll get to that in a minute. But let's turn to Deuteronomy first. Hold your place there. Or put a marker there because we'll be referring to it. But go to the book of Deuteronomy, the 26th chapter. Now, the Lord lays before us the promised land. The Father God sets before us the inheritance of the land. And you know what he says to you and me? The land is yours. The land is mine. It's our land. It's our inheritance. It's our promise. It's ours. You know what most Christians say today? Well, how come I'm not walking in it? If healing is for everybody, how come I'm not getting it? If prosperity is for everybody, how come I don't have it? What's the problem? If God wanted everybody to be healthy, then He'd heal everybody on the spot. If God wanted everybody to be prosperous, then everybody would be prosperous. No, the Father God only goes as far as giving you the land. The land is yours. The land is mine. Healing is for everybody. Prosperity is for everybody. Salvation is for everybody. But let's look at this Scripture. Underline three words in this Scripture. 26 chapter and verse 1. And it shall be, When thou art come in unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, for and what? Underline that word. And what? Possesses, possesses it and what? Wow. Underline those three words. It is given for an inheritance. You must possess the land. You must dwell in the land. You remember when Israel came out of the Egyptian bondage under the leadership of Moses, that the Father God said to them, Go up unto Canaan's land and spy out the land, for it's a land flowing with milk and honey, and I have given unto you the land. It's your land. And an angel shall I send before my face, and he shall go and drive out the inhabitants thereof of the land. And you shall possess the land, and you shall dwell in the land, a land that floweth with milk and honey. And it shall come to pass that none of your, those ladies that are pregnant shall cast their young, and I'll take sickness away from the midst of you. And you'll dwell on the land in prosperity and and, and land flow of milk and honey. Isn't that what he said? But you remember, because of an evil report that came to the congregation of the children of Israel, they didn't possess the land. The land was given, but they did not possess the land. Only two men, Joshua and Caleb, were the only two that had a good report. The others had what? They had an evil report. They had an evil report against the land. The Father God gave them the land. He said, it's your inheritance. You possess the land. You dwell in the land. But they didn't make it. They didn't make it. Was it God's fault? Did God stop them? Did He say, well, it's not for all of you? No. Was it only for Joshua and Caleb? No. It was for all the children of Israel. Every one of them. Every single last one of them. All right, now hear me. Joshua and Caleb still the people and they said, let's go into the land for the Lord, our God is on our side and he'll drive out the inhabitants of the land. We're well able to possess it. We're well able to what? Possess it. Let's go up at once. But what did they say? Let's stone these fellas. Right? They're crazy. They're mad. Didn't you see the inhabitants of the land were grasshoppers in their sight? And you say, let's go up and possess the land. What, do you want to try to get us all killed? Is that what you want? Beloved, there's going to be giants before your land. And if you're afraid of those giants, you won't possess the land. You won't possess the land. The land is yours for the taking. It's been given to us. Everything that's in that promised land is yours. It's all ours. Now, Joshua was raised up after Moses, after Moses. You remember after Moses' death, he laid his hands upon Joshua or before he died. And then after his death, it was Joshua that took over the leadership of the children of Israel. And remember, Joshua was the one that led them into the Promised Land. Now, Joshua altogether destroyed 31 kings. Altogether, Joshua destroyed 31 kings that came against them to try to prevent them and stop them from fulfilling the promise that God gave to them of possessing the the land. There's a lot of promises, beloved. There's a lot of land out there. Lift up your eyes and take a look and behold and see all as far as your eye can see. All that you can see is yours. All you've got to do is possess it. But these kings typify spiritual darkness. They typify rulers of the darkness of this world. They typify religious spirits... Ruling and reigning in the heavenlies to stop you from entering into your promised land. You've already been born again. The inheritance is yours, but they're there to stop you from entering into the fullness of the blessings of God. That is their purpose in the earth. What are you going to do about it? We're going to uncover them and we're going to strip them naked right before before our eyes so that we can see them as they truly are, defeated foes. And learn how to walk over them and tread upon them just as Joshua did with the nation of Israel. Amen? I tell you what, I'm excited about it. The success that Joshua found is found in Joshua 1.8. We'll turn to that just for a brief moment. If you're not willing to do this, you will not have the success of Joshua. If you're not willing to do this, your promised land lies there, but you will not enter into it. You will not possess it, and you will not dwell in it. But if you'll do this, beloved, you'll possess your promised land, and you'll begin to dwell in your promised land. And those forces of darkness that have been trying to destroy not only your individual life and family life, but also the, the ministry and the church and the body, each congregation, those, minute, those spirits will be bound out of your life, out of the congregation's life, and God the Father Through the Son, Jesus, by His Spirit, will prosper in the land, On the earth. He'll do it. You watch and see. Now, He told Joshua, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Hear me. Not when you go to church. Not when you're home just reading your Bible. In your everyday conversation. When something happened at the household... And uh, an evil report was heard. Your promised land is deliverance. But it looks like bondage has come. What came out of your mouth at that moment, at that particular time? The instant that they came back and reported the evil report and said what was in the land, the hearts of the children of Israel failed them. And they said, we cannot possess the land. There's a lot of people that when they're attacked with sickness or disease or when... Financial burdens come upon their life. The first thing they say is, we can't pay our bills. We can't do this. We can't do that. But they go to church and try to say, yes, my God supplieth all my needs. You can't have a double confession. You've got to either believe that your God supplies all your needs or He it doesn't. It's not what you just say when you force yourself to, to quote your scriptures, beloved. It's what comes out of your heart. At a time when trouble comes. What do you do? Do you falter? Have you meditated the Word of God? If you didn't, you're going to falter but if you meditate to the Word of God as Joshua did day and night, when the enemy comes in like a flood, he'll stand there in the face of all that adversity and say, yes, we're well able to take the land. It doesn't matter if there's giants in the land. It doesn't matter how big they look. It doesn't matter how many there are. All that matters is Jehovah's on our side. We're well able to possess the land. Let's go in at once. Don't hesitate. Right now, let's go in right now and take the land. It's our land. We're just taking it home. We're just going to dwell in it. We're just going to live in it. We're going to prosper in it. We're going to bask in the presence of God in it. Amen? This book shall not depart out of your mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That thou mayest observe to do all according to all that is written therein. Then shalt thou make thy way prosperous. Then shalt thou have good success. Joshua had good success. Joshua prospered in the land. Amen? Did Joshua meditate day and night? He had to. Oath. Because that's God's way. and That's how God said that you would prosper. And, and Joshua prospered. So evidently he did it. Amen? Amen? All right, now. The land is already given to you. But in Matthew 11:12, we we read, the Master said Himself, that under the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God has suffered violence. But the violent take it by force. Well, if He's given us the land, why do we have to take it by force? Because these ruling religious spirits are there to hinder you from entering into the promise that's already been given to you. What's the promise? We have an inheritance. Remember I said online the words inheritance, promise. I'm sorry, inheritance, possess it and dwell in it. Now, the inheritance that we have, we have inherited the kingdom of God. It's the inheritance of the saints in life. Amen? It's our inheritance. It's been given to us. Now, it's mine now. But to possess it, And to dwell in it is another thing. It's mine, I've received it by faith. I possess all the things that I have in my spirit. Am I dwelling in those things? Am I walking in those things? Are those things manifest in my life? Well, if you want them to be manifest in your life, beloved, you're going to have to take them by force. Them ruling religious spirits will not take a back seat unless you force them out of your life. You never get your healing unless you force them, demonic forces, away from your, from your body. You never walk in your liberty and freedom in Christ Jesus unless you know how to bind these r- ruling religious spirits and get them away from not only your own personal life but your congregation and from the place you worship and the house you live in. We're going to show how we can bind up these ruling religious spirits to get loved ones saved in the household. And I guarantee you by God's holy word it'll work. See, we've tried to bind them up by just saying, I bind you foul spirits in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you walked off and you started talking to your friends and said, yeah, you never know what's going on at my house. And you see those words that you spoke right there? I can understand it. I bound them, but all of a sudden all these things are happening. Those words you spoke right there just undid your binding. But we're going to go a step further and show you how to bind up these things and keep them bound, keep them behind the solid rock. So that they cannot stick up their heads in your life any longer or, or rule in your household any longer. But they will be where they're supposed to be, under your feet. Under your feet. Amen? Now, Jesus, turn with me to the 149th Psalm, but Jesus Jesus said, He gave us the kingdom, and it was the Father's good pleasure to give unto us the kingdom. But in giving us the kingdom, He also gave us the keys to the kingdom. Now, keys stand for authority. The keys of the kingdom are words. Remember He said, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church, and I give unto you the keys of the kingdom. Whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. The power of binding loose and loosing is in, in the words. He was referring to the revelation knowledge of God's holy word, the word in our mouth. Now, let's look at the 149th Psalm for a moment. (coughs) Excuse me. We sang this morning the song from the 149th Psalm in verse 6, which is why I asked Terry to lead us in that song. But let's read now from verse 6 and read right on through. The rest of it. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and the two edged sword in their hand. Now listen to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments unto the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment written, this honor have all his saints. Praise ye the Lord. Now, wait a minute. There's a twofold effect here. Let the high or... Let the heavenly praises of God be in your mouth and the two-edged sword in your hand to bind up these ruling spirits with chains and their nobles with fetters. And this honor, it's an honor, has all the saints of God to bind up all these demonic forces. Now, high, high praises. You say, what do you mean by high praises? Well, high praises... Is heavenly praises. Heavenly praises are praises that God inhabits. It's when you get beyond the sensuality of your praise and the intellectualism of your praise and you begin to praise God from your innermost being. It's when you don't stop short in your assembly. But when our voices are joined together in one accord unto God and it's no longer are we worshiping from our minds and from our heads. No one's ever everybody looking around and finding out what the other guy's doing. But we have united ourselves together. We have got into the Spirit. And we release from our spirit, man, high praises unto the Father God. These ruling religious spirits cannot stand to hear high praises or the spoken word of God. Because when those high praises go out, some will get off and just leave the assembly. Some will just hold on to their ears. They can't stand it. Some will be delivered and set free. Because in ruling religious spirits, they have to run and hide. And I'll show you that in the Word of God. They have to run and hide. They can't stand it. They can't stand to be in that presence. That's why you ever find anybody who's, let's say, um, having trouble with his mind, and you know that the devil's playing on his mind? You start to bring the Word of God around them or start to sing praises unto God around them, they can't stand it. They don't want to hear it. They want to get rid of it. They do want to get as far away from it as they can. Because these ruling religious spirits cannot stand to hear high praises unto God. Immediately they're, they're, they're let go. They run. They're hiding. And then their demon forces... Now remember, these ruling spirits, they rule these lesser demon forces. These imps. And so when their rulers and their leaders are gone and hiding, mass confusion takes place. And these demon spirits don't know what to do. And before you know it, they're warring with each other. And I'll show you that by the Word of God. Let's go to Second Chronicles, the 20th chapter. The 20th chapter of Second Chronicles. You'll remember that King Jehoshaphat... And the children of Israel were attacked by the inhabitants of Moab, Ammon, and Mount Seir. Remember the story? Notice these three kings of these three nations that are coming against the nation of Israel, King Jehoshaphat. They're coming to utterly destroy them off the earth. I'm not going to go through the whole story. But these three, again, these kings are symbolic of. They are Types of they typify ruling religious spirits. let me give you an example. Do you remember when Daniel went to pray, and the Prince of Persia was there, and when, when Gabriel came with the answer the very first time that he prayed, the very first hour that he prayed, and when he was coming to bring the answer to Daniel that this ruling spirit, the Prince of Persia, met him on the way and began to war with him. And Michael came down, and he took over the fight, and he bound up that spirit while Gabriel got loose and came to Daniel and gave him the answer. Remember the story back in Daniel? Now, when Gabriel came into this atmosphere of the heavenlies, where these spiritual wickedness in high places and these rulers of the darkness, where they rule, there was a warfare going on. But through his continuing worshiping and praising and speaking and praying and intercessory prayer unto the Father God... And kept right on, and kept right on, and did not stop. I want you to note that's very important. He did it day and night, day and night, day and night, till the answer came. He did it day and night, day and night, day and night, day and night, day and night till the answer came. So finally, help came along the way, and Michael came and, and, and bound up this here spirit. Well, what delayed that answer for them 21 days was the fact that there was a warfare going on in the heavenlies. One that you couldn't see with your physical eye. We battle not against flesh and blood. Daniel, wasn't bat- Daniel was not battling against flesh and blood. But Israel was bound up by this religious spirit and by these ruling spirits. And the congregation of Israel was bound up by these ruling religious spirits. Isn't that right? Until one man, look what one man can do. Look what one man of faith can do. And this man, he brought that power down. He bound up them ruling religious spirits. Michael had to come on the scene because this man would not falter. This man would not waver. He would not give up till the answer came. You say, how long am I supposed to stand in faith till the answer comes? Oh, having done all to stand, stand therefore. Oh, glory to God, I'll tell you what right now. Oh, glory to God. That's how long you stand. You stand. And you stand. You stand with the high praises of God in your mouth. You stand with the sword of God in your hand. And then ruling religious spirits, they'll just begin to hold on to their ears, they'll begin to scream and to cry out, and then they'll get bound in chains and fetters. And you'll have a freedom about you, about your household, about your dwelling place, your own personal life, about this congregation. And we're going to be free in this congregation from these willing religious spirits, because the Spirit of God has shown me they're trying to get in. They're trying to destroy the work of God that's going on right here. But we're going to, I said we're going to recognize them, we're going to strip them down and and we're going to deal with it. Now, let's go to the 22nd verse of this chapter. Now, remember what I said. These three kings, these ruling religious spirits, came to destroy the children of Israel. They came to hold them in bondage, either to take them in bondage or to kill them and destroy them. They were stirred up, you know. Anytime you see unity in the body of Christ, they, these, these wrong spirits, they get stirred up. They don't like it. And I'll name these spirits as we go on. But in verse 22, and when they began to sing and praise, and when they began to sing and praise, I mean, this sounds ridiculous. You know the story. Jehoshaphat gets before the Lord. He says, send forth sings, singers and, and those that would praise trumpet. They went forth and just began to sing and praise and just sent them out there. Those that were, I'm, I'm sure, talented in the area and those that could sing high praises. And so here they come. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. But against principalities and powers, the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. And these kings were only symbolic of these ruling religious spirits. And here they come from all directions. And they're coming to destroy Israel. So they go out there on their horsemen, and they begin to sing praises unto God. Look at it. And when they begin to sing into praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, oddly to slay and to destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. Now listen. When these ruling religious spirits were bound by the high praises in chains and fetters under God, these are the ones that are the masterminds behind the scenes. The demons, the imps that were out there to cause destruction, you see. Now, I'll give you an example like this here. In today's system, we know that we've got um, those that peddle dope and push dope and those that get involved in all this wrongdoing. But those that are really the masterminds behind it, they never get caught. You know, one's a lawyer, one's a doctor. You know what I'm saying? I mean, high class. And they're off back in their, in the protection of their esteem and their wealth and all that they have, and so they never get caught, but those that are out there on the streets, those are the ones that sometimes get picked up. Well, you see, we've been dealing with these symptoms long enough. We're going to get through to the masterminds, these ruling religious spirits that cause all this to happen in bodies like such as this, in households, individual households. We're going to go beyond those peddlers, those demons, because I'll tell you what, most of them don't have an education right? Most of them just out there just to make a fast buck. No high school education, that's what they're out there. That's what these demons are like. Very uneducated. Stupid as a matter of fact. That's right. They don't know anything. But these ruling religious spirits, they're the masterminds behind all this. And so what they do is they organize them and tell them what to do. High praises and the word of God causes these ruling religious spirits to go into hiding. They're bound up with chains and fetters. These demons, these imps that are out there, they go into chaos. They don't know what to do. And everybody's going all which way. And before you know it, you've got chaos. Look what happens. One destroyed the wrong one. They destroyed the other one. And finally, they all got to destroying each other because they didn't know what they was doing. Amen. But if you let these masterminds rule and them demons act inside a body like this, you'll have strife, envy, division, chaos, calamity, this one, that one, because those rulers are speaking to those demons. Those demons are speaking to people's ears and they're hearing those words and acting upon those words. And before you know it, you've got chaos in the body. Let the chaos be where it belongs, out there. So in Joshua, the 6th chapter, verse 10. In Joshua, you remember the story. They came into the... Prom- well, there they are at Jericho. Now, I want you to grab a hold of some things here because I told you there's two things we need to know. The Word of God and high praises. Verse 10. And Joshua, you remember the instruction that the Father God gave Joshua. I'm not going to go through all that. He told him to go around one time the first day, one time the six days, another seventh day, go around seven times. Don't say a word, shout. Okay, verse 10. Joshua had commanded the people saying, you shall not shout. Underline this. All right, next part. Nor make any noise with your voice. Underline that. Last part, underline this twice. Neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth, not for one hour, not for the first day. Are you ready? Until the day I bid you shout. Then ye shall shout. Did you grab a hold of that? Did you ever see that before? Seven days of silence, not a word. We should practice the vocabulary silence. Not a word out of your mouth for seven days. Seven days. Not a word. But on the seventh day. Do you know why the Lord told them to do that? They'd go walking around them walls the first day. Hey, John, this Joshua, he's nuts. He thought he heard from God. He thinks we're going to walk around this wall. It's going to come down. Isn't that the funniest thing you ever heard? Yeah, Jack. That's the funniest thing I ever heard. I'll tell you what. This guy, Moses, well, I thought he was bad, but this Joshua, he's even worse. You know how big these walls are? These are the biggest walls around. Nobody can break into this city, and we're going to take it by walking around the walls? This guy must be some kind of a nut. We can't do this. We'll never be able to take the land like this. What does he think we are? Six days walking around here. they could have to blow our heads off just sitting right down here walking like that up on them walls. What in the world is going on here? This Joshua is some kind of nut. I don't know what we're going to And we're going to follow this guy, and he's our leader of our nation. What in the world is going on? That's how they are. That's how they are. That's what they would have done. You say, how do you know that? What did they do at, 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 when they sent the, the 12 to spy out the land and came back and gave an evil report? We can't take the land. There's giants in the land. How are we going to take the land? You guys some kind of nuts? Joshua, he had it all. He had it. He meditated it. He knew it. He saw it. He's walking around that wall. He knew it. He saw it. You know, he said, tell them to shut their mouths. I'm going to tell you something right now. If, if you're in this body, you better know this. When you, when you sense wrong things happening, when you sense bondages beginning to build up, you better believe the body is opening to their mouths. You better believe they're talking about one another. Friends, because there's no way that those demons and ruling religious spirits can get into this place unless your mouths let them in or mine. The only thing you should be speaking about this here particular body, especially if you worship in this place, is that I see it growing in the perfect love of God. I see every saint walking in the perfect power of God. I see them all as Jesus. sees them cleansed by the perfect blood, Jesus. That's what your confession should be. But when you start talking down to your brother and sister, and when you start, well, we're going to get in these spirits. I've got to get in these spirits. (laughs) That's when these things open up, and that's when they start to come in. No noise. You know the story. Finally, after the seventh day, on the seventh day, they went around the walls seven times, and then it was time to shout. Ooh, Glory. High praises unto God. For God hath given you the land. He's already given us the land. He already given them the land. All they had to do was shout and praise about it. You know, faith, is that that simple? If you stop all this concern about prayer and just start saying, Praise the Father God, hallelujah, hallelujah. You said it in your word, I believe in and that settles it. And start praising Him for the answer. You get it. I mean that. Just start praising Him. When trouble comes your way, praise God. Everywhere you find out where trouble came somebody's way, you know what he said to do? Praise me. Peter, I'm sorry, Paul and Silas in prison. They sang praises unto God. Peter and John whipped upon their backs, rejoiced and counted joy and a pleasure and an honor to, be, to suffer persecution for his namesake. I'm telling you right now, they had some insight into this faith walk. And it was not something that they had to try to do. It was something that they did automatically because it was in their heart. Now, let's go back to our 10th chapter of Joshua. And let's start naming these spirits so that we can get, out, get rid of them. Wherever you find one, you'll find all of them. All five of them. Especially in public assembly. It came to pass when Adonizedek, king of Jerusalem had heard of how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it as he had done with Jericho and her king. So he had done with Ai and her king and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace. Underline, had made peace. Unity. Israel was making unity and having peace and harmony with with another land. With Gibeon, with the land of Gibeon. When that happened, it stirred up these religious spirits. These religious spirits didn't like what was going on. They didn't want Israel to have any more power than what they had. All right, look at... Look at um, first of all, you can underline these or write these down if you want. We'll go on down to um, the five kings in, in verse... Well, let's see, verse 3. Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem. Every one of these names or its city has a meaning. If you look up in, in your concordances, you'll find out that there's these meanings or of these names. And you, you know how the, the Bible teaches us that names mean something? I mean, today, you know, you, you name a child someone, but you don't, we don't really give it careful thought and attention as we should. Because you're calling that person that every day. Whereas in Bible times, those names had meaning. No longer will your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, father of many nations. And God did that for a reason. Right? Sarah no longer Sarai, but Sarah. Okay. Now, over here, every one of these names means something. Here's what they mean. Adonai Zedek. Lord of justice. Legally rule, to rule, to control, or to lord, or to master, or owner. It is typified, or typifies, the ruler spirit of legalism. The ruler spirit of legalism. In any public assembly where there's unity beginning to take place, this ruler religious spirit of legalism will stick its head up. Let me explain some of this. Go to Second Corinthians, the third chapter, and hold your place here in, in Joshua. Second Corinthians, the third chapter. Verse 6. <clears throat> Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. Of the what testament? testament? Now notice this. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth. But the Spirit giveth life. Now, these ruler spirits of legalism, wherever we begin to see people begin to operate in spiritual things, they'll stick up their head and try to get legalism back into the church. You get one person or two people begin to prophesy in public assembly. You know what you hear? First thing that'll bounce up is, Paul said you're not supposed to do more than two or three. Paul didn't write according to the letter of the law. And the New Testament is not to be understood according to the specific letter of the law. Now, we're, there are guidelines that we should follow and adhere to. But under the New Covenant, we're living under grace. We're living, not living, living under the letter of the law. Today, in this generation, a lot of people have a hard time accepting women, teachers. Those women that are do anything in the church. Because of this, the times and what was written back then, whenever a woman would get something from the Lord... They would say that a woman is to keep silent in the church. Isn't that true? Are I saying the truth? Because they were going by the letter and trying to impose the letter of the law to infiltrate the church with legalism. Let me show you a classic example in the Galatians, book of Galatians, the third chapter. Galatians, the third chapter. And beginning, begin reading with verse 1. I want to show you what these religious spirits do. O foolish Galatians, who hath underlined or circled the word bewitched you? Who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? The word bewitched there means witchcraft. Cast a spell upon you. Hypnotize you. Hypnotize. Cast a spell. We wonder why some people can't get to the truth. There's a spell cast on them. They're hypnotized. They're bewitched. Now, you remember that the church at Galatia, this church, was going back into legalism. Isn't that right? This here spirit of legalism, this ruling religious spirit, stuck its head out because they began in the faith. And he didn't like what was going on. So, stuck his head up right away and began to try to get legalism back into the church to stop them from moving on in faith. Look what it says. They were under a spell. A a spell was cast upon them. They were bewitched. Not to obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been crucif- evidently set forth crucified among you. This only what I learn of you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit are you now made perfect by the flesh? In other words they wanted to get into these laws. And now you've got to do it this way. And you've got to do it that way. And we've got the same thing in the churches. I mean I think for the last hundred years do's and don'ts. So in our church you do it this way friend and you don't do it this way. And so what do we got? I'm not saying that anything is right or wrong, but we got laws, bylaws, rules, and regulations. All right, that's one. We're going to go show you both extremes of this. You're telling me that the Spirit of God can't do anything outside of your bylaws. See, He's got to do it by this, by the letter of the law. If you know the Holy Spirit, friends, you're going to know that He does some things that you may not set right with you, but He does it anyhow. He may be doing some things in some churches that you think this can't be, but He did it. That's right. I mean that. I mean, there are things going on in Catholic churches and charismatic moves and in Lutheran churches, Methodist churches, that some of some full gospel people would just say, this can't be. I'm only giving you this as an example, all right? I'm not knocking any religion. Please don't. Don't take this wrong. I'm raising the Catholic faith myself, okay? But I've had people say and discuss, how can a priest come away from saying the rosary... And serving a mass, go downstairs to the charismatic movement, pray in the name of Jesus, and have miracles and deliverances take place. God's not bound. I said God's not bound. And some that are really spiritual are trying to blame all that on the devil. Uh, Friends, look, at God's not going to send somebody to hell. If a person comes to Christ and is born again because of your doctrine... Now, you could learn new things and, 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 and grow out of some certain things. Don't you know that Peter and John were bound by religion? Why do you think in the third chapter of book of Acts they were going to the synagogue to pray? Why do you think they were going there? But what did they do all the way? I could go into it, but I won't. I won't have time. <laughs> so what I'm saying is this spirit of legalism tries to get inside the church. And before you know it, we got people trying to live by the letter of the law. Hey, they had three prophecies. Or four? Dear Lord. Didn't they know what the Bible says? There's not supposed to have more than three. I'll tell you what, I'm not going to go back to that church. No. Somebody sit in my seat. Oh, I'll tell you what. (laughs) Well, we're going to show you how these spirits work, all right? I mean, I believe you're mature enough for this, don't you? Amen? I mean, let's get rid of some of these things. I'm included. That spirit of ritualism, we're going to get rid of that, that thing. You know, but this is the first one right here. Cast a spell upon them. The second one, in back in Joshua, if you want to turn back there, okay, but it's Hoham, ho-ham which inter- by interpretation is the seed of association, a spell, or to compact together by a spell, or to have fellowship, or to heap up, or to join self together, or to have a league, and it is symbolic or typifies the ruler spirit of sectarianism. The ruler spirit of sectarianism, which means... Right can only be in my group. You understand? Right is only in my league. My fellowship. God couldn't do that in your fellowship. You're not in my fellowship. See, you remember that the scribes and the Pharisees, they were all, one was of the sect of the Pharisee. One was a sect of the scribes. One was a sect of this and one was a sect of that. Sectarianism. We got division in the church. Where did it come from? These ruler religious spirits. They stuck up their nasty heads again. And so instead of adhering to the word of God and keeping high praises in their mouth, the church began to, to be infiltrated with these the different sects. I'm going and joining my league. You're going to go and join your league. You don't do it the way I do it, so I'm going to do it my way and you go do it your way. And before you know it, you, they've got chaos in the church and they're having a ball when we should have throw them down where they belong, bound them up by the word of God and by high praises, and slap their heads where they're supposed to be, amen? And said, forget none of this. We're not going to have none of this stuff. We're going to live it by God's way and do it God's way. Well, let me say something here. The people that killed Jesus were not possessed by murderous spirits. The people that killed Jesus were, were possessed by ruler religious spirits. You know that. The ones that stoned the martyrs and killed the martyrs were those that were moved and possessed by ruling religious spirits. I guarantee you, and if we were there in Bible days when, 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 Th- when Stephen stood before the council, and those men, you couldn't hardly hear the words that were coming from this great man of God's mouth without repentance and falling on your knees and seeing his face shine that of an angel. But these this sect, these ruling religious spirits, they were furiated. Infuriated, They got so... They gnashed on him. I bet you there was demon activity right there. They gnashed on him with his, their teeth. They were so upset. These demonic forces, these demon spirits in them, they were so possessed of these demon spirits and these false religious spirits, that they, instead, of, instead of repentance, they began to stone them. They couldn't stand it. They began to scream. They had to hold on to their ears. They began to gnash on them with their teeth. They didn't know what to do. They were hearing high praises and soundings unto God. The words that he spoke, the word that was in his mouth that that, that he spoke were so so powerful they couldn't stand it. They had no alternative but to kill him, try to get rid of him. But praise God, the Father came to his rescue. Over there, and you don't have to turn to it, Luke Luke 9, 49 to 50. You remember over there when um, John said, Lord, we saw one casting out a devil in thy name, and he walketh not in my sight. He's not with me. I mean, to tell, tell you something, Lord. Now, you know you're going to get on this case, aren't you? Aren't, should I go there and forbid that this, not, this thing not be done? What did Jesus say? You know not what spirit you're of. Those that wanted to bring destruction upon people. Peter said the same thing. Let's, let's go and do this. He said, you don't know what... I've came to save men's lives, not to destroy men's lives. Let the man go. How, hardly can a man who's doing a miracle in my name speak evil of me. Let him go. So he's not walking in our group. Beloved, don't get on other groups. That is a ruling religious spirit to get us to look down upon other groups. You be satisfied in your growth and you come to your place of worship and you grow and you be a part of that body. Don't speak down that body. Because when you begin to do, those ruling religious spirits will take over and begin to stick up their nasty heads. You remember Peter... um, had to have a sheet let down for him to realize that the Gentiles were allowed to join the body of Christ. Isn't that right? He couldn't. He wouldn't believe that. There was no. He wouldn't even walk in. He even after all this, he wouldn't even walk. He felt that it wasn't right to walk and eat in the Gentiles' house. Right? I mean, he, he, you know that as well as I do. Read, read the Bible. And then remember over there. And the, let's look at the fifth chapter, uh, fifteenth chapter of the book of Acts. Very quickly here. I want to get all this in here. 15th chapter of the book of Acts, verse 4. I want to show you something. This is when the uh, council at Jerusalem were gathering together to find out what they were going to let the Gentiles do. with the 15th chapter... Verse 4, And when they were come to Jerusalem, they, were, they received of the church and of the apostles and the elders, and they had declared all the things that God had done with them. But there rose up a certain sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now, these are believing Jews of the sect of the Pharisees which wanted to impose upon these Gentiles their doctrine. Isn't that right? And that's not changed today. It's the same thing. But if you read on and read the whole thing, you'll find out that Peter stood up and praised God for Peter, did, stood up and said, Look, at our fathers couldn't keep it. We couldn't keep it. And now you want to put something around and bind some, a yoke upon their neck that you know that we couldn't keep. They're Gentiles. Let them worship God. Right? <coughs> So, beloved, I mean, we want everybody to come off, you know, from wherever they've been bound up in, let's say, through religious ties and, and be set free from it. But it's not, the right way to do it is not talking down their religion or talking down their faith or what they believed in. I mean, it took these fellows a while to get, ri- r- get rid of this kind of worship and to get rid of all their, you know, their beliefs in, in, in the laws and customs. And Paul had to get them set straight. And they were used to that kind of worship for a long time. Amen. I want to show you another scripture the fifth chapter of the book of Acts. And we'll get through this. Whenever, wherever, and boy, this is a blessing to me. Wherever you see deliverance, healing, and the power of the Holy Spirit manifest, you best believe that this spirit of legalism and this spirit of sectarianism is going to show its ugly head. I mean it to put the halt on the move of God. Let's look at it right here. Remember in verse 15 and 16 where it says, Insomuch that they brought forth the sick and laid them into the streets, laid them on beds and couches, and that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. Then came also a multitude out of cities round right about in Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and those who were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, every one of them. Look at the next verse. Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation. And laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. Grab a hold of that. You want to know why every time we want to have things like healing services and, and uh, the power of God manifest and the glory of the Lord? Them ugly heads stick up from somewhere. I'm talking about these spirits, not people. I'm talking about these spirits. These ruling religious spirits. They stir up the sect of this and they stir up the sect of that and go on down there. And put some doubt and unbelief in the way. I'm telling you right now. They stick up their ugly heads everywhere you go. But I'll tell you what. It's when we start walking around and saying, now what in the world is going on? Now I don't know, I don't understand it. Well, start understanding it. This is what happens. These, the people that, are, that understand and know are those that are going to be the ones that keep their mouths shut. And keep the high praises going unto God and the Word spoken. All the time. How long? Forever. Just like they did back there in Joshua. Till the walls came down. That's how long. Let's go to um, the next one. Pyram. Number three, the third king. He means running wild, elevated high, self-exalted, proud, haughty, loud, lofty. And the, it's symbolic or typifies the ruler spirit of Lawlessness. It is complete opposition to legalism. Alright? It's the complete opposition to legalism. And your scripture reference will be Galatians 5.13. Galatians 5.13. And it says, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty... Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. This spread of lawlessness, you're going to find out those that want to go off and live like the devil, they want, to, they want a religion like this. Get born again, get saved, live for self, live for the devil, forget rules and regulations and laws. See the opposite extreme from lawlessness to legalism, bound by the law, forget the law. And so you've got this rowdiness. You've got these people that want to live an immoral life. They want to live for self. They want to live for the devil. And they still want to have world or earth or heavenly gains when they get there. That's a the Spirit. You know somebody that's born again? That's bound up in this area of lawlessness? That he's not doing what the Word of God says to do? He, he avoids rules and regulations. You're a Christian now, yes. But the Bible says don't do this and don't do that. As far as what God's Word says, not by the letter, but by the Spirit of the law. Let me say this. We are, we are, we've been liberated in Jesus. We're set free in Jesus. But we're not to use our freedom as a cloak of maliciousness. We know that. Amen? We're not to do that. We're free in Jesus, but we're, not, we're free from the letter of the law. But we're not free from obedience to the spirit of the law. We're free from the letter of the law, but not free from the obedience to the spirit of the law. Amen? Amen? For we will fulfill the law if we live in obedience to the spirit of the law. We will fulfill the letter of the law. So you can't go from legalism to the other extreme of lawlessness. That's another spirit. That's another spirit that's involved. That's that spirit. I'll give you another reference. Romans six one. Should we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. See what they were doing? Let's sin more so grace may abound. Let's sin more so grace may abound. They wanted to sin is what they wanted to do. They wanted to live in fornication and adultery and get away with is what they wanted to do. Now they're not living by the, you know, by the Spirit of the law. No, we're not bound, but the Bible says and teaches us that we should not commit these things. Amen? Another, another example is Acts 8, chapter verses 18 and 19, where Simon wanted to use the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, for earthly gain. Remember? Hey, I'll give you money so that you can give me this gift and I can, I can go out. He, he made a bundle in sorcery. He figured, now, this is a better thing. Can you imagine a, a, a character like that? See, he wanted to use his liberty for a cloak of maliciousness and to get things for himself in greed and filthy lucre. But these are spirits that's behind it. It's not people, it's spirits that are behind them, these ruling religious spirits. Next one. Uh, Well, let me say this before I get off of that. If rules bother you, then you better believe that there's a spirit of lawlessness that you've got to deal with. Rules don't bother me. And they shouldn't bother you. Because if the Bible says it, you're to do it. I'm not bound by the letter of it, but I'm bound to the spirit of law. Amen. Japhia, number four, means to shine bright, to be light, to cause to shine forth, and it typifies the spirit of intellectualism or rationalism. You remember over there in 1 Corinthians 1, 27, where he said, uh, God used the, the foolish things of the world to confine the wise, and the things that are not to bring them out the things that are, and the base things of the world, that sort of thing. And remember over there in Ephesians, the third chapter, verse 20, where it says, He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask, think. Hope, dream, or desire in every area of our life, according to the power that's at work within us. The spirit of intellectualism and the spirit of rationalism, this ruling spirit, causes people that are bound by this spirit, or denominations, or groups, assemblies that are bound by this spirit, not to believe in anything that they cannot see with their senses. They cannot believe anything beyond their senses or beyond their intellect. God is only limited in their life by what they could see. Hear, taste, feel, smell, that five senses. If they can't get it by their intellect, then they cannot go beyond that. They have limited God in their own life. They're bound by this. They only believe what they understand in their mind. Their faith will never rise above what they understand. So consequently, they can't get a lot of things from God. They're bound up. Now, Jesus said to Martha, If thou believest, thou shalt see. Jesus said to Thomas, Blessed are those that believe and yet have not seen. And Mark 11:24, 24, Believe you receive, then you shall have. Can you see how that is supposed to be the norm for the Christian life? Yet these spirits have gotten into the church and what have they done? they bound us up by the spirit of intellectualism and rationalism and they got our minds in such a spell that people cannot believe what's, what, what's not in front of their face. You go to some churches with the faith message, you know what they'll do? They'll laugh you right out. They're very intellectual. And their intellect, if you try to argue with them, I'll tell you what right now, they'll probably put you down because then ruling spirits are behind their intellect. And they take scriptures to prove what they want to do. Prove. Alright. And I'll give you the last one here. We might have to put a few minutes on another tape. Because I've only got a few minutes to go. I want to get this all together in one message. The fifth one is the beer. And it means the shrine. The innermost part of the sanctuary. It means to arrange words. It means to speak to a point. To pronounce and to rehearse. It typifies the ruler spirit of ritualism. The ruler spirit of ritualism. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, we are told that we are changed day by day from glory to glory by the Spirit of our Lord, by the Spirit of God. Right? We are changed from glory to glory. We are what? Say that again. We are what? Okay. The spirit of ritualism is opposed to change. We've done it this way for 30 years. Alright, listen. We've done it this way since this church was formed. You think you're going to come in and change it? Alright, listen. If any group is going to flow with the move of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit changes us day by day from glory to glory, the assembly that is bound up by this spirit of ritualism will never change. Its people will not have change. You never see the song service change. You never see the worship change. You never see any change in, in, in the way the service is conducted. You never see any change around the altar. You never see any change inside the church. You're just not going to see any change. Now, that spirit of ritualism binds up that group so that they ca- they're not free to be changed by the Holy Spirit. And I can give you some examples about that. I mean, uh, I think we should, be, we should be aware of that. I mean, you're only going to strip these things down and get rid of them, just like in a worship service. If we slip off into tongues and begin to magnify the Lord, some people get upset. They get mad. Why? God's not bound. He's not limited. The Holy Spirit is in us. He's changing us. He he might change our order of worship. Let Him do it. We should be open or we will not change. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me,